We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's the DFS pregame show with me, Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD. Hopefully on top of you in the GPP contest yesterday, today. Well, definitely yesterday. Yesterday I did well. And uh, on this show, on the, the DFS pregame show, we look back. We look back into the past of yesterday's slate and study uh, some good players, go over some strategies, uh, go over a little bit of my approach. And uh, and try to learn something, how we can apply that to slates going forward. And then we take a little preview of, of today's slate for uh, for Major League Baseball. It's back. NBA is coming back tomorrow. It's, it's going to be a mess here. There's going to be so many shows here. You better subscribe on YouTube. It's the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. So hit that subscribe button. And as always, keep my water, water cold to keep your coffee warm. How about Devin? Devin's the producer. He drinks coffee because I don't drink coffee anymore. Let's keep... His coffee warm by hitting that thumbs up button. But uh, if you tune in tomorrow, tomorrow there's going to be baseball. There's going to be basketball. There's a two game slate. Uh, DraftKings is doing like a a million a million dollar first prize for a two game slate. That's going to be chopped like seven thousand ways. I don't know how you're going to get unique in, in a two game slate with that many entries. But you got to tune in tomorrow. There's going to be uh, the free free for all crunch time. Typically, that's our premium show. Right before lock, right? Not li- we're not live at lock, but we're right before lock, which and we are live. But it, I'm not sure if we're allowed to put those words together. But uh, but we will be there. Crunch time uh, for for baseball and basketball, and they will both be free tomorrow on YouTube on uh, on the on the Roto Grinders app if you have it, download it. And uh, and looking back at yesterday, okay, yesterday here I got I got results DB up. This is what I do every morning. Okay, this should be part of your process. Learn from better players. Okay, analyze what happened yesterday. Where did you go right? Where did you go wrong? Okay, so the the winning lineup in the in the big uh, DraftKings GPP was a was a single single bullet, 
single bullet, and it's one of those, uh, I'm just going to mash some buttons and not play anyone in the stack, and it just happened to hit upon the right uh, right combination. Uh, scored 160 points. It was a low-scoring night. A lot of the chalk failed, uh, which is great for me because I typically don't play much of the chalk uh, in large-field GPPs. But uh, apparently uh, Joe Joe High at Act 45, uh, got Merrill Kelly, Kelly, Zach Davis, and then just basically uh, uh, there's, there's well, there's two Dodgers together, right? Not much of a stack, not much of anything. Uh, managed to just hit the right combo, got hundred thousand dollars. But if we look down, we see a couple of people, and we say, "Oh, who's that? Oh my God, who's that? Oh, that that looks like me." It feels like what I normally say. I'm I'm on top of you in the GPPs. So yeah, I came in six yesterday. I had sixty five lineups in. Yeah, I don't play. See, you, you notice here. I don't play 150 lineups, played 65 in this contest, but I also played the 20 maxes, 35 other entries out in other contests. So it's a little, a little bit difficult to study me since I use all unique lineups. So it's not like I'm using 65 in here and then using 20 of these 65 in the $4, 20 max. I'm using completely different entries. But uh, when I came in sixth, I did the angel stack, right? The late night hammer, right? Right, uh, Trout was the uh, uh, chalk. Trout only put up five points. He was the lowest score in my in my life. But you take a look here: one percent Stasi with the, he, he barely ever hits a home run. But he did last night. He was a cheap catcher, so I spent forty nine six. Right, five man Angel stack, three man Met stack. Right, got the JD Davis, which you probably needed at eleven percent ownership. Right, it's something like this: you got a home run out of your first base spot. Right, you obviously no catcher did well yesterday. So if you had Stassi at one percent, you re, you had so much relative value over the field at catcher because of what Sal Perez busted. Like let's let, let's take a look at the ownership on on the busts, right? And we'll go through some of these players. So like Sal Perez zero bust, Alonzo at twenty nine percent at four points, pretty much a bust. Try Trout at five bust, JD Martinez zero bust. 26% of lineups, 27% of lineups, 29% of lineups, 29% of lineups. Merrifield, he got there. Okay. He was he was a chalk play that got there, right? I can't believe Jeff Samarja was 20% owned, but he, I mean, he put up a negative two, right? Xander Bogart, 18%, bust. Soler, three points, 18%, bust. Yelich, 17%, bust. Mondesi, 16%, bust. Nelson Cruz, 14%. Look how many busts there are here, right? And all the high ownership. Right, J.D. Davis was that. There you go, eleven percent, right down there. I mean, Mookie Betts, okay, put a fourteen. That's pretty good, right? Double digits at least, right? But when 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 the chalk busts, it's it's about finding the leverage, right? Hitters hitters all have the similar type of opportunities: three to five at bats, something like that, right? Depending on where they are in the order, home or away, right? So it's like to me, like if you see right here, uh, I played zero. Zero Sal Perez. If you took a look across the board, I pulled out some of the some of the the, the max entry players that you know did did well last night, but underweight on Sal Perez. You're playing a 29% owned catcher. I zero. I just X out the Royals yesterday. I mean, I literally I played no Royals in any lineups. Uh, the Red Sox and the Mets, I only played as three mans in my five man stacks, but not as full five man stacks. But if you take a look here, I mean, look, the RBX 88, you're like, no, no Perez, no Alonzo, right? None of these guys. Let me take out the pitchers. We'll get to pitchers in a second. So let me take out pitchers here. So we can see here what, what people did, 
right? A lot of Mookie bat, right? People, uh, we got Raging Phillip and Mazwa went overweight on the Dodgers, right? I, I was overweight on the Dodgers also. I had 21% Mookie bats. I was overweight on the, the Brewers, who in, until late in the game, you know, I mean, they put up points, but not like winning enough points for the five-man stack. But Hura, he, he was a chalky second baseman. He got there, right? Across the board, I was a little over than most people. You take a look at like Garver. I was way over on the Twins. I was way over on the Twins and the Cardinals, and the Cardinals obviously let me down. That's why I like 20% Goldschmidt. I have it down here, right? DeJong, 20%, but I also had 20% Donaldson, right? See, here's here's Polanco, 27%. Polanco, a lot of twin stacks, but I mean, Rosario didn't get there with two points. Cruz had zero, right? So the stack really didn't pay off. Like a three-man could have, but not a five-man. But then looking at like someone like Raging Phillips. Raging Phillips, let's take a look at his exposures. Yeah, a lot of Padres. Right, Tatis, he did well. Right, Dodgers, looks like Dodgers, Padres, kind of maybe Mets one-offs, kind of looks down here to play Alonzo as a one-off. Bellinger, Fam, we still get more San Diego. Odor, Texas, looks looks like he did Texas stacks. Gallo, Odor, Danny Santana. Got some A's in here also. But look, like you don't see Royals. In his top own, you don't see Red Sox. You barely see Mets. I mean, you see like a one-off first baseman because, I mean, take a look at, he's not filling his first base spot a lot. Right? Large field GPPs going off the board, not playing the chalk stacks, especially in a slate where the pricing was so soft yesterday and the pitching was so horrible that, like, do you, was there a need to pay like two point five k a player for the Royals as chalk, I didn't think so. That's, that's why I didn't play him. Hey, if they put up ten runs, then I just lose that day. That's just the way it is. So let's go to Maswa. Maswa over here. So he said similar things. Uh, we got some. Yeah, we got very similar. Padres, Dodgers, Rangers, some A's. Underweight on Sal Perez. Then we have I slew for you. A little bit more even distribution. I mean, a little, a little bit more diversity. But we got, we got, he got, he got some Mets. Yeah, he got, had some Mets stacks, right? But he also had some, some Escobar, Marte. So Arizona, I had some Arizona. Uh, got some Dodgers. Dodgers seemed to be a, a popular leverage stack yesterday amongst a lot of the top players. Did it get there? No, but I mean, that, that, that's all I'm looking for because I went that way also. RBX 88 over here, Garver. Okay, we got all the twins. So he was on board with me with the twins, but he also had plenty of Red Sox. So he didn't mind taking some of the chalk Red Sox because he also had, you know, like Matt Olson, got some, uh, got some Tatis, Padres stacks. Maybe he has one-offs. Do I see any other Padres down here? No, no, no. Okay, he played Mejia. Okay, so he had some stacks. We got a, a Hubro over here. So, yeah, well, yeah, I'm not a big fan of playing 20% Jorge Soler as chalk, but I guess Hubro did it. But, yeah, look, Dijon, a little bit more diverse spread. If you see down here, just a, a, a lot of different stacks. Anil Pro 88. Still had some Sal Perez. Still had some Royals. 
right? So he still had some Royals. Merrifield down here, but I mean, under the field, right? 17%. We get uh, Merrifield at 12%. Where's Solaire? Solaire, Perez, yeah. On, so still had some uh, Royals, but under the field. But I mean, we got some Loriano here. So some of the A's. And then some of the, the, the Padres. Right? Not much. Uh, I don't, I don't, on, on uh, a Neil Pro. I mean, I see JD Martinez here. I see Xander Bogarts. So a little bit more diversified. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A lot, a lot more exposure over here. Yesterday, although, I thought the pitching was interesting. So let's go to pitching. And if you're in YouTube and you're watching now, feel free to post your, your, your questions. This, this is a teaching type of show. Okay. So if you have questions about strategy, whether it be strategy in general, strategy on today's slate, uh, just it, DraftKings, FanDuel. I know we talk a lot about, I, I at least talk a lot about DraftKings. That's primarily where I play. It's also where we get all the results, the B information from. But if, if you talk, if you want to talk FanDuel, Yahoo, anything you want to talk about, just type it in the YouTube chat. Hit that thumbs up button. So so Devin's coffee doesn't uh, doesn't get cold. That the pitching yesterday was, was I, I think, the uh, interesting. Is that a better way of putting it? It, it sucked, okay? Uh, if you see here, I had no Merrill Kelly, okay? Uh, he's put up, obviously, the best score for a pitcher. I, I A lot of other top players had more Merrill Kelly. Uh, I didn't. I actually had, look look at me, I had, uh, you know, at 29% Antonio Senzatella, right? I had Senzatella, I had Megnan, I had 52% Zach Davis, 52% Sandoval and Lindblom, no Gibson, no Samarja. And I still had 21% Walker Bueller, which a lot of people didn't. Uh, yesterday's slate, uh, I thought that the range of pitching points was going to be very narrow. I just thought, I just thought the median score of most pitchers were going to be 10 to 12. I thought if you could get 25 points out of both pitching spots together, Regardless of the price that you're paying, you're probably fine. Okay. I'm, of course, I didn't expect a 30 point score out of Merrill Kelly for 10,000. Okay. So when pitching was so yucky and you were paying up for guys that, like, you're paying 10,000 for Merrill Kelly, you're paying 9,700 for Kyle Gibson, right? But if you played like two cheap pitchers, that means you're like, you end up on like all the chalk, right? You're playing Trout, you're playing JD Martinez. Right, unless you leave tons of money on the table. So my attitude was is that when pitching outcomes are going to be are likely to be narrow, I don't want to I don't want to be on like expensive pitchers that are going to be higher owned, right? So I didn't want to be on twenty percent Gibson or twenty percent Kelly. If I'm going to play those those guys, I'm just going to pay up since I have the money because the batting prices were so cheap yesterday across the board. Like that's why I played Walker Bueller, even though he was going to be limited to 75 pitches because it, it could Merrill Kelly could have easily gotten hit up by the Rangers. Gibson could have easily gotten hit up Homer Bailey. All these guys that were nine K and above could have easily gotten hit up. And I thought maybe Walker Bueller, if he puts up 12 points, I'm overpaying for it, but I, I don't, I just don't, I just don't see ceiling outcomes. I mean, outside of outside of Kelly, 
who did well. Kelly just had a normal game and had 15 points, and it really wouldn't have mattered that much. As long as you didn't have a negative pitcher, right? Lindblom would have been fine. Sandoval would have been fine. As long as you got, you know, about 20 to 25 points, you would have been good combined at pitcher. So that, that was my attitude going in. So it's more likely to spend up on bats like the Dodgers. Like I have bets, I have Bellinger. Like guys that aren't expensive players that aren't Trout and J.D. Martinez and Pete Alonso. So other expensive players. Rendon in playing in, uh, you know, the, the Angel stacks. Those types of that's what That's what my assessment was. I thought Zenzatella, yeah, he's not a strikeout pitcher. But they'll let him pitch 90 pitches, 100 pitches. If I'm going to, what's the difference between Zenzatella and Lindblom and Sandoval and all? The, the, to me, I didn't see any that much of a difference. I overpaid for Zach Davis. I don't think he's worth 8000 but he got there, 18.25. But I was just looking for pictures. Can you give me 10 to 12 points? Who's more likely to do that? Am I going to trust Carlos Martinez at that price? No. Justin Sheffield? No. Framber Valdez against the Dodgers? No. Derek Holland? I mean, he he ended up doing well. Against the Brewers? No. So I didn't mind. I like it, it wasn't a fact. I didn't. I Walker Bueller had no ceiling at 11-3. Pitching 75 pitches, but I just didn't think you needed a ceiling. And, and I just didn't think you needed one. Can he, can he get me five strikeouts? Uh, there, done. I'm good. Right. I mean, he didn't get there. He got 7.85, but in the grand scheme of pitching, as long as you got the hitters right, you could still play Bueller. Right. But looking through uh, other top players, I mean, most, a lot of them were over the field and Kelly. Gotta say, over the field on Kelly. I thought Sandoval would be way more owned than this. He was only 27% owned. I expected him to be like 40% owned. I expected Lindblom to be a little bit higher, right? But pitching was kind of spread out yesterday. But when pitching is spread out, like I I went more towards, I'm going to focus on these combinations, right? So these this is mostly what I did. Other, other players kind of spread it out a little bit more. Or they went like all in on Homer Bailey, which I mean, you ended up getting, if you went... On Homer Bailey or Zach Davis, like you got about the same amount, right? 15, 18, about the same, right? I think there's a Marja one. I, I, people are nuts, I guess. I mean, you didn't, you kind of burn those lineups. I was not going to play Jeff Samarja at 20% ownership. So, no, good, good luck with that. I, I, I don't think he's a good pitcher. But looking around here, this is, I mean, this is, this is what I do. This is, I, this is what I do every day. Go through some of the top players. See what they did. I miss something. Did I miss something on Merrill Kelly? No, but I mean, I, I'm just explaining why I didn't play him. I understand why people did and not play Walker Bueller. Because if you're not going to play Walker Bueller, you're going to have all this money. You're going to have to uh, Gibson. You're going to have to play Gibson, Bailey, or Kelly, right? You're going to have to play someone up there. So, like, I understand if, if people don't have Walker Bueller, like 2% Bueller, 0% Bueller, 0% Bueller, 0% Bueller, right? They're going to have to go somewhere. So, yeah, obviously, it's going to go to Merrill Kelly or Bailey or or, or, or Davis or, or or someone, right? I just, I, that's where I would have gone. But I was mostly focused on, like, I'm just going to make Sand, Sandoval, Davis, Zenzatella, Lindblom, like, did, like, I really focused on these five pitchers, six pitchers, and just make as many combinations as possible uh, because... I don't think price mattered yesterday at all. But let's go to the chat. Thanks, everyone, for coming to chat. Hit the thumbs up button. I always prioritize. If you're listening to this later, I know we post these as podcasts. 
I know you could watch this later on YouTube throughout the day because dude, these are a little bit evergreen. The first half of the show, you can pretty much watch even old shows and learn some some things on how to study, how to how to think strategically, think probabilistically. But uh, but I prioritize the YouTube people. The YouTube people, are the most important people. If you're here live, you get your questions answered. So we got Dan Janning here. Do you think today is better for vomit stacking uh, because we have good pitching? Yes, right. I'm not a big fan of vomit stacking when when the, the when you're playing 10K for Merrill Kelly, but when you're paying when you're paying 11.4 for Garrett Cole, okay, now we're talking. Okay, now we're talking about a real pitcher, right? And not Merrill Kelly at 10K. Garrett Cole at 11.4. Right? I mean, look, look, look. We have Chris Paddock at 8.4K. He he he. Yesterday, we had Merrill Kelly and Kyle Gibson above that price. So, yes, vomit stacking on these types of slates, much more, much more viable because the only way to fit in like two of these high priced pictures is by vomit stack, by playing cheaper stacks. When building lineups is stacking the best way to go. Yes. And GPP, Prime Show Inc. If you're playing large field GPPs, especially, but even if you're playing single entry GPPs, the correlation in MLB is very strong. When one guy gets on base, the guy that's batting now has more opportunity for points because of the guy on base. And if you have, you know, if you have the four guys, five guys that are batting around each other, one guy gets on base, this guy gets a double, that guy gets a run. And if I get the RBI on the, the swing of the bat, I the, the guy on base gets the run and I have that player also. So you're able to get more points as a whole. So stacking in MLB, especially in GPP, because that's what increases your ceiling. Because you're you're relying on less events to happen. Just like, oh, if this team puts up 12 runs, most likely, most likely a lot of bats from their from, from their order are gonna do well and exponentially get higher points because one player's points correlates to another player's points. So yes, in cash games, just play the best value. Don't worry about stacking, right? Because you don't you just have to get over that double up line coming in first place. Who cares? Right. It pays the same amount. But if you're playing GPPs, FanDuel, DraftKings, no matter what format, you should be stacking in MLB. Trap TV asks, I usually play 20 lineups per night on a night like last night with so many good offenses. How many different team stacks would you try to limit it to? If you're playing 20 line, I mean, it's, it's all a matter of risk tolerance. You could play 20 different stacks and 20 different lineups. Just understand you only have one combination of that to go by. You could play the same stack in 20 lineups and switch out the pitchers if you want. Just understand if that stack doesn't doesn't work, all your lineups are dead. So it's really a matter of risk tolerance. If there's one stack, there's one team that you're like, I think they're under-owned. I, I don't see, I think they're by far above and away the best stack versus their ownership. And I want to play uh, all nine of their hitters in as many five-man combinations as possible, then go do it in 20 lineups. You can. That you just, it's a higher risk strategy. If you get it right, you have a lot of outs for first place. If you get it wrong, then uh, close your laptop and, and wait for tomorrow. So it really depends on how risky you're looking to play with your portfolio lineups, but there is no correct answer. Am I wrong or raging Phillips and Maswell's exposure is insanely close? I mean, not, the, I mean, close enough, right? Similar pictures right here. There's nothing really to look into. I mean, you don't, you don't want to duplicate lineups if you're playing together or something like that. So 
good players tend to make good decisions. Look, look, I, I, I mean, of course, I pulled out one, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, I could have pulled out 40. So it just so happened that the six I pulled out are like that. But that, oh, they all had Merrill Kelly, and I didn't. But I'm, I'm sure I could find other top players that didn't play any Merrill Kelly, right, or, or little of him. But I just explained my strategy. But I like, I like looking because if you're not going to play a high-priced pitcher, who are you playing? Who are you playing on yesterday's slate? There's nothing to play. Sean George asks, was ending up roughly with the field on pitching ownership and taking a big stand on a Dodger stack a process mistake? No. I, th- I thought the Dodgers were a very good leverage stack. I think they were under-owned against Valdez. So that's perfectly viable. Perfectly viable. But it's like I said, it's high risk. You're going all in. You're like, you know, I'm going to take the field on pitching and just kind of let it be a wash. Whatever happens at pitching. I'm going to go all in on the Dodgers, and if they do well, I have plenty of outs. Yeah, that, no, I don't think that's a process mistake. But just understand you have all your eggs in one basket. If the, if the eggs come in, you're good. If they don't, then, you, then you probably, you're most likely losing most of your money that day. So that's perfectly fine to do. You can do that on a daily basis. You, just, uh, you have to get it right once out of what? We're going to have like 80 slates or something. You get it right once out of 80 times, it makes up for everything. So if you want to take that... That risk, go for it. What's the optimal way to use min-max ownership percentages? Why would I set it for 110 versus 225? Okay, uh, who's this? Uh, Travis Daniels. Uh, what, what Travis is talking about is in the build rules of lineup HQ. Min and max ownership. If you set it at zero, that means it doesn't, it doesn't do anything. Uh, in, in baseball, because of how many players there are available, like on a nine-game slate today, for instance, there's just so many combinations that I don't even, I don't even care, right? I'm pro. I, if you're playing GPPs, you're stacking, which is naturally going to. You know, yesterday, it's it's hard to have stacks while having Trout, JD Martinez, Pete Alonso in your lineup. It's three different teams. Most likely, it, it, most likely, you're going to be playing guys and stacks that are single digit owned that will give you enough leverage in large field GPPs, and you don't even have to worry about being duplicated. On a nine-game slate, on a 10-game slate, on a 14-game slate, I don't even care about this, right? I don't even, I don't even look at this. On smaller slates, though, or in other sports where there's less, there's less players available. But like, if this was a three-game slate, then maybe I consider, if I'm playing, if I'm playing chalky stuff, maybe I want to decrease the max total lineup ownership because then my lineups are too chalky for large field GPPs. Typically the numbers that I set are dependent on when I run lineups. So if I run lineups and I run it without just like just bare basic, just give me the optimal, right? I'm using the bat X standard mean projections. I'm just like, give me all the chalk, right? So let's say all the chalk comes in and whatever in a lineup and it's a smaller slate and that chalk lineup is, is, 280% 280% cumulative ownership. So that I'm looking at a lineup that you would probably play in cash games and is a cumulative ownership of 280. Then I start looking down and I go like, what do the stacks look like? So let's say I'm playing the chalk. Like, let's say I'm playing five, one, one, one and the two chalk pitchers. Like, what does that look like? What's the ownership of that? Whatever that is, if that comes in at 255%, maybe that's when I I'll go. Okay. I want everything under 240, or I want I want to be more contrary. Everything under 220. A lot of times, I don't need to set these if I'm using 
my stack exposure percentages. If I if I'm jamming in stuff that I know is lower owned and it's going to come up anyway, like it's going to naturally come underneath. If I set this at 240, you know, for for today's slate on the nine game slate, most likely if I set it at 200, it's not even going to worry about this because by the time I'm jamming in the stuff that I want, it's going to be naturally under 200 anyway. I'm never going to hit that cap, right? But if you need it, that's what it's there for. I think it's more useful in smaller slates or in like mid-sized slates in other sports, like in basketball where the chalk could get absurdly owned. And, you know, you don't want two 70% owned players in, in your lineup. I mean, you could do that through player groups as well. There's two, like yesterday, if you didn't want to play, let's say, let's say you were playing one-offs. Let's say you were playing five-man stacks and one, 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 right? Five-man stack, one, one, one. So three one-offs. So, like, I could totally understand if yesterday, assume this is yesterday, if you took and you did this type of group, right? Martinez, Alonzo, Trout, max one. So you wouldn't get two chalky one-offs in the same lineup, right? You don't have to worry about player exposures. You don't have to worry about ownership maxes. Just go, okay, these are going to be the, and maybe, maybe, you put, maybe you put Sal Perez in there. Maybe you do something like that. Right, he was going to be chalky. You do something like this to make sure that if you're going to play them as one-offs, that they're not going to be in the same lineups together. Right? You do. You can do something to make sure that your ownership cumulatively isn't high, so you don't even have to need. You don't even need to use the other screen. I think that that's a that's you could do it multiple ways. Whichever way is easier for the player pool that you're using, go for it. Uh, Heat Nation Seven. Blender, so as we talked about in the past, I'm a single entry player, small field type stuff. With a slate like yesterday, I went a five-man KC stack and find my leverage elsewhere. Was I viable? Yeah, sure. That's the smaller field tournaments. You don't need as much leverage. I personally, you could do it that way. But personally, I prefer to get my leverage in the stacks rather than in anything else, in the pitchers. I'd rather play the chalk pitchers. And a and a low owned stack, not a not an absurdly low owned stack. I mean, not, I'm not saying okay, let's take the Pittsburgh Pirates stack or something at one percent in single entry. But like yesterday, I would have been much more inclined if I were to play single entry to play a team like the Twins, right? Play the, the, the midline, the Dodgers as a stack. Maybe you could still play Sal Perez as a one off at catcher. Maybe if you wanted to do that, that's what I personally do. But yes, as long as you have, as long as you're getting enough leverage that you need for the contest you're in, it's perfectly fine to play the chalk. So in a single entry, you know, thousand, two thousand person contest, if you're going to play a five man KC stack, then you need, you know, right now from the start, once you plug in Solaire, Mondesi, Merrifield, Perez, right? Once you start sl- slotting in those players that are going to be, 15, 20, 25% owned. You know, now you're looking at your screen. You're, you're going to fill the rest of your lineups. You need to, you need to, you, you need to look and go, how can I get different? Right. You can't just, uh, that if, if your next, if your next instinct is the, what Boston or Red Sox hitters can I get? Then you're wrong. Then you're not getting enough leverage. Right. Once you let me, let me plug in Trout or JD into this lineup. No, yeah, then, then you're messing up. But if you're going to pair that, like, uh, like Heat Nation said, use three-man stacks like the Cards and the Angels. Okay, now we're talking, right? Trout, maybe the Angels. I mean, you could use Trout, but now you're also using a chalky player. But like the Cardinals, 
If you built a KC stack, let's say uh, yesterday with what? We got a shortstop in Mondesi. Uh, you got uh, Merrifield at second, Perez at catcher. Uh, you got Soler. I mean, you probably need a first baseman. So if you played the Cardinals, you play Goldschmidt. Play Goldschmidt and like maybe Fowler in the outfield. Maybe played another KC outfielder. And you, what do you need? A third baseman? And he played, uh, who's, who's third base on, he played Tommy Edmond or something. No, no, okay, that makes sense. I, they would have been low-owned. Edmond did fine yesterday, right? Uh, Buxton went up for that that fly ball and hit right off his glove, right, over over the fence. And Tommy Edmond was like 2% owned or something, very, very low. So, yeah, you would have gotten enough leverage like that. I only say the Angels maybe not so much because Trout was so old. So how do you st- how do you st- make a three man stack of the Angels without also using a chalk Trout while you're already using chalk Royals, right? See, I wasn't against the Royals yesterday, and they were so cheap for what what their their median projections were. But I, I don't know, and they're like it's a vomit stack. How did you not play the Royals vomit stack yesterday? Like I don't play like owned vomit stacks, right? If everyone's playing the vomit stack, that's when I don't play them, right? I'm playing vomit stacks when no one wants to play them. Right, so I'm looking at today's slate and going, okay, where where can I find that 20k stack of uh, of uh, top of the order hitters on a crappy team? Right, maybe it's Detroit today. Maybe it could be they have a five run total. Maybe why not? Pitching uh, on the slate is good, so it's less likely you're going to be able to, you know, if you take two of these two of these players. Let me reload so I can get some some bat projections up. Which you could, Cardi is great projections. So if you want to pay for the bat, that's the projections I use, right? You could have all the all your projection sources here, right? So you have the bat classic, bat X, which includes the stat cast data. And then Roto Grinders uh, projections are powered by SIS, right? So you can either get the standard SIS or you get SIS model four. They're all good projections. They're, they're going to be, they, you may get some slight differences, but they're, they're, they're all good projections. You get this with premium. So SIS Model 4, you automatically get with RG Core, the Core 4 Sports. So sign up, rotogrinders.com slash premium, so you can get this. This is what I use. I mean, I'm on Lineup HQ all day. Uh, Brian Schlink asks, how do you go about building a cash lineup? Uh, building a cash lineup. Oh, wow, okay. I, 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 scrolled, I, I scrolled all the way up. I didn't realize there were so many more questions. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, people on YouTube. I prioritize you. Hit that thumbs up button. The more questions I ask... Every time I answer a question, hit that thumbs up button, okay? Because screw today's slate. Well, I won't have to. I mean, people are listening later going, oh, what are my takes for today's slate? I don't care. I care about the YouTube people, right? How do you go about building cash lineups? Typically, cash lineups, you're just looking for the best values. So the best point per dollar value. I mean, literally, I'm just like on the back projections, like right now. I mean, these are, these are new. I mean, we don't even have the orders or anything like that. Like literally, I'll just look at the projections and go, What's the optimal lineup? There you go. There's the optimal lineup. Heaney, Cole, Perez, Crone, Scope, Franco, Torres, Solero, Tani, Judge, right? You're looking for the best point per dollar lineup combined, okay? The, the, I mean, these projections are going to change anyway, so this doesn't matter. So that's what I, you'd be looking for. The best point per dollar plays per position, as many of them together in the same lineup, because you just have to get over the line, median-wise, Right, you don't you don't have to stack. You don't have to just just get enough points to get into the fifty fifth percentile in your double ups to beat your head to head opponents. You're perfectly fine. So you don't necessarily have to worry about stacking or leverage or correlation. Nothing. 
What's the best stacking me- method, would you say? Or depends on the day, like 5-2-1 or 5-3. Andre, uh, the larger the slate, here's the general concept. The larger the slate, the more you should stack. The smaller the slate, the less you, you could tend to stack. It doesn't mean you don't stack. On a three-game slate, there may not be a team that five guys together on a team, they put up 10 runs. The more games that there are, that means there are more teams available that could put up a lot of runs. But as far as what do you pair with the five, if you do 5X, 5-1-1-1, really depends on your player pool. If you see that you want to play one-offs from other teams but not the stack, then obviously you're, you'd probably be stacking more like 5X, right? Five and some one-offs. If you don't, if you don't see one-off, if, like every, if every team you're targeting, you're playing a five-man stack of, and you have no one-offs, then most likely you're playing 5-3. You're trying to just pair the teams together, right? So like yesterday, if you had Trout as a one-off, like if you played 5-3, you could never get Trout in the lineup because you need three guys from a team in order to be in the lineup. So if you're picking one-offs from a lot of teams, there's more likely that you play 5-1-1-1. If you're not, then it's more likely you're playing 5-3. But you still should be playing five-man on DraftKings and four-man on FanDuel. Right, FanDuel, you're probably playing 4-4-4-3-1. But it really depends on your player pool and what positions they're available at. Right? Because you may you may you may have a one-off. Oh, I want to play Xander Bogarts as a one-off. Well, he fills a shortstop position, which means the stacks that you choose don't necessarily need to fill the shortstop position as much because you have a one-off available at that position, especially a scarce position like the middle infield spots and the catcher spot. Do you expect Cole to be more owned than the Grum? And if so, which one would you play? At this point of the day, I have no no clue. I'd play both. I think I'm more likely to play Cole over the Grum. But I, I doesn't matter to me at this point. It's still an expensive pitcher. I it would matter on like what bats am I playing? Who's the second pitcher? I think Cole and the Grum are fine. Cole has a lower, slightly lower opposition total at Baltimore. According to the bat, Cole is a better play. As of right now, based on we have no batting orders or anything. So most likely I side to Cole because he's 600 cheaper, but I think they're both fine. It depends on who's in, in the rest of your lineup. I really only play two lineups in large field GPPs, and am I doing it wrong? No, you're not doing it wrong. You could play two lineups. Just make those lineups with enough leverage to win first place. If you're in your head, you're thinking, I only have two lineups. I have to play like the chalk. Then you shouldn't be playing large field GPPs. Or you shouldn't be playing above your bankroll. If I mean, if you're playing what? what what's it? $15 a lineup in the large field on DK? Build those lineups to win first place. Understand that even though you're just playing two lineups, Well, building a lineup to just cash in those contests, you're going to lose money in in the long run. Build a lineup that could win first. Oh, I can't can't play an angel stack with 1% pools and 1% Stasi because I only have two lines. Why not? Why can't you? Just do it. And if that doesn't work out, you lose that day. But if it works out, you have a great shot at winning first place. But if you think in terms of, I only have two lineups, so I need to play Royals, Red Sox, and the Chalk Pitchers, like just play double ups then you're you're never going to have enough leverage to win $100,000 against 40,000 entries. So build the two lineups for the contest that it's in. 
regardless that you only have two lineups. Take a look, you know, right? Look up here, single entry, two lineups, right? J. Ren Preck, it's a mess of, mess of crap. I mean, these are outlier lineups with no stacks or nothing. Full America, here, Oakland, Minnesota, Milwaukee stack. There's one entry here. Here's a four-entry guy here. Three, three. I mean, take a look at the top. You don't have to play 150 entries. Look, nine Patrick, he had one entry, right? But build lineups that have good first-place equity. Don't get scared or don't play the contest. There's a lot of stuff that I talk about in uh, in my in my new audio course, if you want to take it. Theoryofdfs.com. You can find me on Twitter at BlenderHD if you want to check that out. I talk so much. Build the lineup. Build the lineup for the contest that it's in. You can do whatever you want, just like with the can I play a KC stack yesterday? Yeah, as long as you got enough leverage elsewhere, right? If you played off the board angel stack, even with a chalk trout, do whatever the, the rest of Leonard, who cares? Play the chalk. It doesn't mean you have enough leverage for, the, for a large field GPP. If you're playing a hundred man contest, right? You don't have to play 1% stacks. That's way too much leverage. You can play chalky, but you still have to get a little bit. You, I'm going to play the chalk and get a slightly different a picture. For a 100-man contest, that's probably fine. So it really depends on the, the contest that you're playing. Build the lineup for the contest that you're in. Don't worry about who the best play. There's no such thing as the best play. It changes depending on what contest you're in. So you can check out a lot more of that type of stuff in my 15-hour audio course, Theory of DFS.com. Back to the questions. I like the questions. I don't want to give takes. Who's better, Cole or DeGrom? I have no idea, right? I just look at the projections. Okay, Cole looks like they project a little bit better. But if DeGrom showed up with a better game than Cole, it's not like I'm shocked, right? Hey, Jordan, how am I going? Playing any Twins today? I think the Twins will be popular today. I'll play them if they're not as popular. If they're popular, maybe I don't. Maybe I play them in three man. And not five minutes. What cash contest? I don't play Aaron Rasmus. I do not play MLB cash. But if I did play MLB cash, I'd essentially go to the bat projections and just play whatever the highest median lineup is. Just I trust projections. Projections take all the stats, all the stuff that you'd look at, all the stats, right? The ISOs and the and the, the launch angles and the whatevers, the K rates anything like that, and, and puts it all together and then gives you numbers, gives you ranges of outcomes, floor, ceiling, medians, and that's what I'm looking at. So I don't have to look at any of the individual stats. It's in there. It's in there. Like you're, you're, making, you're, making, a, you're making a good dish for dinner, right? You're making lasagna, right? You put it, it's all in there, right? Why do, why do I have to look at the regatta cheese, right? The regatta, I, I don't have to care about it. I don't care about the tomato sauce. Oh, what type of tomato? Who cares? I, I got the lasagna. It's all in there. It's all in there, baby. So it doesn't matter. Uh, QQ, in two games slate like today's early one, are you more likely to go all in on one team or use all four? That, that There's no answer to that question, Donnie. I'm just, in a two-game slate, uh, with the player pool so condensed, I'm more, the priority to me is to be not duplicated, right? So whatever would make me less duplicated, that's what I would be doing. So it's not necessarily, do I go all in on one team or four? That's a matter of risk tolerance. That, 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 there's no strategy to that. The more important fact is that in a two-game slate, the lineup overlap is ridiculous. 
So finding a way to be different is very hard. So my number one priority, like on, on a normal slate, on this normal 7.05 p.m. nine-game slate, I'm not even thinking about duplication. I'm not thinking, I mean, it's not even entering my mind. On a two-game slate, it's literally the first thing I think of. Will this lineup be duplicated? If the answer is yes, I throw it out. This is for large field GPPs. So it's just, that's the number one thing. How many teams I play is inconsequential. You show me if I could play 50 lineups that are all unique, that no one, it's not going to be duplicated. Give me those lineups. You don't even have to tell me who's in the lineup. Obviously, I want people that are playing, right? The bench guys or the relief pitchers, I'm not playing. But you show me the guys that are in the batting order and the pitcher that's starting, and you could put together a lineup that's not going to be duplicated. Just give it to me. I literally don't care who's in the line. I don't care if it's stacking. I don't care. It's a two-game slate. In order to have the highest expected value, you need a non-duplicated lineup. When doing min-max exposure, how do I move players to the top of your build? I, uh, I'm i not necessarily sure what that means. How do I move players to the top of my build? I, I don't know. By sorting it? I'm not necessarily sure what that means. Maybe ask again. Maybe clarify that prime showing. When doing min- how do I move players to the top? I mean... 10%, 20%. I mean, like, I, I don't know. What do you mean by top of the bill? I mean, I could sort by this. So, yeah. So post that, maybe clarify that question a little bit more. I like the idea of using the chalk pictures and getting unique in single entry with your main stack, but take a contest at 6K entries with four to five stacks sub 15%. Aren't I getting too much leverage? No, I think that's fine. With 6,000 entries? No, I think, I think, he Nation, I think that's perfectly fine. I just tend to get different with the stack. That's just me. That doesn't make it better. That just means that that's what I tend to do. I tend I tend in single entry type formats in any sport, NFL, because there's stacks in NFL also. I'm more likely to get different in, in the stack. Use the correlation to help garbage players rather than play the chalk stack and try to get different elsewhere. That's That's at least me. It doesn't make it better. Maybe the same amount of leverage as you playing the chalk stack and then getting different elsewhere. Maybe the same amount. You maybe add it all up and it's the same thing. I just tend to look in terms of how do I get off the chalk stack? That's the, my first, that's my first inclination. Ben Thayer asks in 20 max, how many pitchers and batting lineups should you focus on? I say three pitchers max and four lineups. Is this good? Whatever your risk tolerance is, you could play, you could play 20 different pitchers. You could play one, two pitchers in all your lineups. It, all those questions are, are a matter of risk tolerance. If you only see two pitchers that you want to play and you want to play them in 20 lineups, go for it. Perfectly fine. Look at the lineups individually. So it doesn't, to, to me, it doesn't matter how many teams that I'm playing. I could, I could, in 20 lineups, I could play six different stacks. I could play one stack. Depending on the slate and depending how much risk I want to take on that team. So you have to think in terms of if you're going to play the same two pitchers in all 20 lineups, if one of those pitchers gets bombed, like it destroys all 20 of your lineups. But that's not a bad thing because if he does well and puts up 25 plus points, well, you have him in all of your lineups. So think in terms of where the leaderboard is. Okay. We have this leaderboard here, the top of the leaderboard, the bottom of the leaderboard. If you're going to play very similar players in most of your lineups, your, your lineups will be bunched together depending on how well they do. 
So if you're going to play similar pitchers, only two teams stacks, like your, your finishing placement, you could come in 10th, 14th, 18th, 21st. Like all of your lineups are not that different from one another. They're not that correlated to they're They're very correlated to one another. So they will be bunched together. So if they do mediocre, you may have a whole bunch of your lineups cash, right? Right in the mid range. If they do poorly, they'll all be in the bottom. If they do great, they'll all be towards the top. But if you have lineups that are less correlated with one another, I'm playing a 5-3 of these two teams. And then this lineup, I'm playing a 5-3 of these two other teams. I'm playing, instead of playing the same two pitchers, I'm playing five different pitchers. And now your lineups aren't that correlated to one another. They're correlated in the lineup, but they're not correlated to one another. Which means that, let's say, in 20 max, in a $4.20 max, you're playing uh, 80 bucks. If you played very similar lineups, like ve- like with only like a 2v2 swap, your 80 bucks could turn into a thousand, but your 80 bucks could easily turn into zero because they'll all, they'll either, all your lineups will do pretty well or all your lineups will do poorly. Now, if you play different types with different combinations, your 80 bucks, when you lose, you may still get 40 or 50 bucks back. Right, because some of your lineups will cash and some of your lineups won't. One of your lineups may be horrible and be dead last, and one of your lineups could be in first place, right? Because they're so different from one another. Which way is better? Neither. It's just a matter of how much risk that you want to take in the lineups that you're playing. Get away from the psychological aspect of I need to pick certain teams and then root for those teams. Like that's that's a psychological fallacy. Just build the best lineups. If you're building one lineup that has eight different players from your next lineup, that's perfectly fine to do, right? They're independent of one another. So when you look, when you look at a, a a lot, a lobby on DraftKings and you see all the usernames, picture all the usernames were taken out. And I just gave you 20 lineups and would, would it matter what username it's attached to? The lineup is independent. So if you want to play 20 different lineups that are different from one another, go for it. That's perfectly fine. As long as the lineup itself you feel has good, first place equity in the contest that you're in. Okay, we'll get to some more questions before we get out of here. Dan Janning asked you if advice for playing the two-game early slate today. Yeah, just get different. I said that before. Small slates, if you're playing large field GPPs, number one factor is duplication. I don't care about playing crazy on two-game slates to try to win whatever, 50,000, 20,000, whatever the first place is. But think in terms, when you build your lineup, Go, is this likely to be duplicated? You're using all of your salary and you're playing like five of the chalkiest players on the slate. Just throw that lineup out. Play that lineup in double ups if you want, but like not for large field GPPs. How much should I focus on leverage when it comes to playing a 5,000 plus single entry GPP? You should always focus on leverage. The amount of leverage will be different depending on the contest you're in. So you're always focused on leverage, whether it be a hundred man contest, a thousand man contest, 5,000 men, it just depends on how much you need. If you're if you're playing, like, for instance, tomorrow's basketball two-game or whatever, the Millie on, on Friday, with how many entries? There's like 100,000-plus entries. You got a lot more, you're going to need a lot more leverage. You're playing 10,000 entries, you need less leverage than that, but still plenty of leverage. 5,000-person contest, you need some leverage. 
It's all in comparison to the contest that you're in. There's no like set. How much specifically do I need? Well, there's no, there's no answer to that because every slate is going to be different. We may have slates where one guy is 50% owned and then some slates where no one's over 20% owned. It's a lot. It's, it's easier to find leverage the more condensed the ownership is. So if we see, if we see today that we have some players that in baseball in a nine game slate that are 30% owned, it's easy to find leverage because if you don't play that player, you gain it all from that one spot. You almost could just fade one or two guys and you're good, right? You're perfectly good. But on slates where like no one's more than 15% owned, you know, the highest owned hitter is 18% owned. That is much harder to find leverage because there isn't just like one spot to do it. In. You have to get, you have to figure out a better a way to not, Oh, I'm just going to fade the chalkiest guy. Cause there really isn't a chalkiest guy. Uh, Billy Porter asks, hi, after you pick your teams and stacks by selecting the team at the top of the spreadsheet, how do you easily go back and add one-offs without bringing up a whole roster? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe ask that again. I don't know what that means. How do you pick your teams and stacks by selecting the team at the top of the... I'm using the stacks page on lineup HQ. I don't... I have no idea. I, I, I I try to answer all the questions, but sometimes... Sometimes I don't even understand what they are. If you have a five-man stack, this is from JH. If you have a five-man stack with whatever team is... Oh, God. Can people use punctuation? They'll just run on sentences. I don't even know where these sentences begin and end. If you have a five-man stack with whatever team, I believe that's where the period goes, is it better for the other three players to be correlated with the same team or just the highest projected three one-off players? It, it it depends on the ownership of those players. High projected is everything that you see in projections are all medians. So like you can use them, but if those three highest projected one offs are going to be 30% owned each, maybe you don't want to play them together. It really depends on who you could fit into your lineup. And if you have enough leverage, if you're playing a five man stack, that's going to be like 2% owned. Then yeah, sure. You could play the three highest projected one-off players but like i showed you before with the player groups like yesterday i would have not wanted to play jd martinez mike trout and pete alonzo and sal perez like i i don't want all three of those as my one-offs the the three chalkiest hitters in baseball where it's a it's a, it's a sport of failure you're gonna fail more times than not you get four at bats go over four very easily so i don't what i want Multiple of those guys in my lineup, one of them, sure. So I'm less likely to do that. When you know nothing about baseball like me and playing slates where ownership is not projected, what process do you use to estimate ownership? Uh, you could do that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you the, if, the, the correct answer would be go into your projections, whether you're using Roto-Grinders, LightUp HQ, or wherever, whatever projections you're using, and try to build the most amount of lineups. Like build 3,000 lineups with those projections. Like 5,000 lineups. I mean, whatever the max you can. On, on, uh, on lineup HQ, you could, we could build up to 300. So based on that, build as many as you can. Because it's going to build the highest optimal median. And then go down, down, down. And keep the second highest. The third highest. Down, 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 down. And then how own... How, how many times does someone appear in a lineup? So you could, 
that's not going to give you the exact ownership projections at all, but it'll give you a sense of how more owned certain players will be. Assuming that your projections are reasonably accurate and somewhat uh, in line with kind of the rest of the industry. That That's one way to do it, Right. You could figure it out. You could figure you could you could figure out that uh, you know. Oh, we have a lot of cheap pitchers today, so expensive hitters are going to be owned. Trout, like yesterday, like Sal Perez was twenty six hundred a catcher. So, like, yeah, he's obviously underpriced. He's going to be owned. And then if you're going to play a cheap catcher, uh, you know, you probably you probably all the Royals were were low owned. We're 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 too cheap yesterday, right? So then, okay, well, I'm playing. I I have outfield spots to fill. So. And a first baseman spot to fill. So that's Alonzo, that's Martinez, that's Trout. Yelich or something that's going to be a high-priced outfielder. It's, you're going to have to in order to spend $50,000. Uh, Robert Gall. Understand if you're playing one-offs, you need guys who could get there on their own. So targeting guys with home run upside and stuff. Not these guys who hit singles. That's correct. I'm more likely. It doesn't, doesn't mean you don't. But I'm more likely when I play one-offs. It's the main reason why I like filling catcher and shortstop in my stacks. Right? Catcher and shortstop. Outside of, obviously, we got we got guys that have power. I mean, like Gary Sanchez or Glaber Torres or Tatis. We got, we got some guys, right, at, at these positions that with one swing of the bat hits a home run and, and, gets, and gets there. But a lot of times you don't. A lot of times you're, you're dealing with the Kevin Newmans and the Willie Adamases. Right. And these types of guys and the catchers, definitely like outside of like maybe three or four catchers, you're dealing with the Jacob Stallings. So I'm more likely to use the scarce positions in my stack than use them as one-offs. So I'm less like, like if if I'm playing, for instance, today, I'm just going to use it as an example. I I don't, I don't even know. Like, uh, let's take, uh, Detroit, for instance. It's going to be a vomit stack, right? Sort by order. Like, if Grayson Grenier's in the lineup, he's going to be in my stacks. Not because I like Grayson Grenier. It's because if I'm playing Tiger stacks, I don't care that he's batting eighth in this. I mean, we don't have the order. But if I'm playing like Goodroom, if I'm playing a lineup where it's like Goodroom, Scope, Crone, Candelario, or something like that, and Grenier, like there, because I want to fill, I want to try to fill. Can I fill the shortstop? Can I fill the catcher? And I felt second base. It's because I don't want to take those guys as one outfielders. There's so many more one-offs first base. There's some, the corner infield positions. There's so much more power in those positions that I could find guys that could hit home runs in one swing as a one-off. So I'm less likely to like Mabin Victor Reyes in my stack. I mean, he may, they may appear in some stacks if I'm playing tiger stacks, <coughs> but I'm, Definitely. It's like, no, just give me in every tiger stack. Give me granny Grenier. Grainer. Grainer. Is that how you pronounce it? 2,700. Because if I'm playing the stack, I might as well play the catcher. Why do you think I played Stasi last night? Did I think Stasi before last night had 12 career home runs in like nine seasons. Did I think he was going to hit a home run yesterday? No, but he was 2,300 and he goes along with my angel stacks. So it's like, okay, I guess I'm throwing Stasi into, into my mix. So if I'm playing angel stacks, I'm, going to play the catcher, whoever it happens to be. So that's kind of the theory there. What's a good way to be contrarian, but still have one to three Yankees today. I have no idea. (laughs) I'm just, 
I'm not even sure. Are the Yank are the Yankees are the Yankees going to be popular? I haven't even looked. See, I think the Twins are going to be popular. I mean, I think I think the the way that you could fit pitching in cuz most likely like the high price stacks may, are are not going to be that popular cuz people are going to want to pay over 10k for a pitcher. But Minnesota I think is underpriced. They have a 5.7 run total and take a look at like take a look at the order. That gets Ponce de Leon, again, I mean come on. 4100, 4200, 3800 for Polanco. 4,400 for crew. I mean, look, I mean, Garver's the most expensive guy at catcher or Sano. But I mean, look at the top five. I mean, this is nearly a vomit stack. It's nearly not. It's very close. It's just over 20 K. Of course, you have to use three outfield spots, which I'm not a big fan of, but no, I would expect it to, to me, the twins, but I mean, the Yankees, <coughs> but look, the Yankees are expensive. So I don't think they're going to be as, as high owned as you think, because, I mean, look at the pitching we have on this slate. Right? You know, unless you're going cheap, unless you're playing like Pat Akini or something. But if you're playing Cole, if you're playing DeGrom, if you're paying up in pitching, I don't know, how, how do you get to the Yankee? How do you get to a five-man Yankee stack? That's going to cost you nearly 25K. So I don't, I don't think so. And the last question, of course, before we get out of here. Just jumped on. Do you think Musgrove is a good punt? I mean, he's a punt. The bat, the bat has him fairly high against Milwaukee, 5,300. Do you need him? That's the question. I think if, if you're playing Musgrove, that means you're playing Yankee stacks, right? I mean, that the whole point of the, the reason why you'd use a $5,300 pitcher is so you could build better stacks, higher price stacks. So, yeah, if you need him, go for it. Is he good? I mean, it's a, the, the opposing total is under five at least. But I'm not I'm not thrilled to use him. But based on the early projections, uh, it's quite likely I will have Joe Musgrove in my player to make those types of lineups where I'm playing Cole Musgrove, stud, you know, big barbell type, stud starting pitcher, cheap garbage starting pitcher. Okay, so uh, yeah, we've done an hour. This is pretty good. Uh, Jim Steele, how do you miss this? I don't know. How do you miss it? It's 11 a.m. Uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, most of the time. Most most days at 11 a.m. Here on YouTube, on the Roto-Grinders YouTube channel. Click that thumbs up button if you like the show. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, tomorrow, Crunch Time, which is our, our normal premium show. That's uh, half an hour, 45 minutes before lock for baseball and basketball. will be free, so it'll be immediately preceding Grinders Live, the free show on YouTube. So check that out tomorrow. But you could always watch. You could always watch these shows if you don't come live. It's always uh, in the archive on YouTube. You could watch these later, later in the day, tomorrow, next week. It doesn't matter. And uh, as well as uh, on the the podcast, if you subscribe to the the, the Roto Grinders podcast in your wherever wherever you subscribe to podcast, iTunes, Spotify, wherever, and uh, and the in, the in the RG app. So you can go to the audio section. You can listen to the show later. But as always, I treat my YouTube people better. So you better you better come live if you want your questions asked here on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com.